0: Good evening, everybody. It's good to be here. It's my first time back since post lockdown in the evening service. thought it was quite nice. I don't know how many of you, when you were at school, they gave you stars if you did quite well. Like, we walked in and we got stars for doing nothing. It was like wonderful. I used to get gold stars, though. This is silver, but it's, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get there. Uh, the title of my message tonight, as we continue our uh, going back to the basics series, as the young adult leaders have felt and prayed that that's. Uh, just to touch base on some of the really foundational elements of being uh, in our faith and being part of church and things like that, I want to talk tonight about devoted to community. Uh, we read our scripture shortly in Acts chapter 2, um, and if you have a device or a Bible you can turn there, I'll, the scriptures will come up on the screens though as well tonight. Uh, but before we get to Acts 2, I wonder when you hear the word fellowship, what that Means to you what what thoughts come to mind? It's quite a strange word. We don't use it so much in our ordinary day conversation. I mean, if you think if you're on campus or at work or wherever you are, fellowship. How many times do you drop that word uh, in your everyday language? We're probably more familiar with the word community, uh, and that's why I'll also use the word community. I think it, it speaks also to the intent of the passage quite well. But I wonder what you what comes to mind when you think of particularly Christian community. Um, I'm of the age uh, where, uh, when I left school we were still conscripted. We had to go and do national service, military service, and I spent some time in the military. And one of the things that happened there is you with the with a unit of guys that you work with, you build a very close bond. Um, it's largely a bond based on fear because your instructors um, dominate and they scare you and and they're preparing you for to do horrible things like go to war. Uh, and it's based on fear. But because you have this common shared experience of suffering together, you form a very close bond. And so uh, I never ended up in a conflict situation at all, praise Jesus, um, for that in that time and so on. But the bond of the guys that I trained with was very, very strong. By the way, hello to everybody on Instagram. It's my first time on Instagram. I just wanted to say it. Uh, Um, You are welcome. Uh, Sorry, back on track. And so when I left the military and I actually came to study, uh, I think what a lot of us who came out of that situation kind of anticipated was finally we're going to be with people who believe like us, because it was quite a hostile environment for believers. Um, That's an understatement. Okay. It was difficult to be a believer in, in some of those contexts and in those places. And so we thought that we're coming to study here and now we're going to be with believers and it's not going to be based on fear, it's going to be based on love because we all love Jesus. And it was quite surprising for a number of us that when we entered this Christian community, this fellowship, that the relationships weren't like what we imagined. They weren't so strong um, and they came from a totally different place. And it was quite a big adjustment. And one of the things I had to learn, and it's part of... I think a common thread of what's been said over the last few weeks, as I've listened to my wife's report backs, yeah, we're married. Um, this one, let me just be specific. This is too general. Okay. Yeah, we're allowed to physically contact. Um, is this idea that it's not actually all about us, and when we get our expectations out of the way, and we start dealing with. Christian community as it really is, that's when relationships can really start forming and life can start coming and start growing. But let's get into the scriptures and hopefully I can share with you some of the real foundational things, the basics of Christian community, what the, some of the, I think, the fundamentals are. So our scripture for this series is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's the story of the first century believers and they're still based in, excuse me, they're still based in Jerusalem. And what did they do that helped sustain them in a, in a hostile environment, environment that was increasingly standing against them? What did they do that 2,000 years later in a different part of the world, a different nation, far removed, different cultures, there is still a church. There's still a community of believers. What things did they do that produced longevity, sustainability, life? What did they do that changed the world? Acts 2.42 says that they devoted, they gave themselves wholeheartedly to the apostles' teaching. And Stephen taught on that a couple of weeks ago. In our context today, that would largely be we get to know the Bible, we get to know what God says and and does, the apostles' teaching. And to fellowship, which we're going to talk about tonight. To the breaking of bread. Last week you had communion, the Lord's Supper together. They had meals together in common. Um, And then to prayer. Those four things, the apostles' teaching. Fellowship, the breaking of bread, which is partly also remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's the symbolism that's associated there. And then to prayer. Now, in the first century Jerusalem, where these these believers were, this fellowship probably happened both in the temple. It seems they would still go to the temple even though they were Christ followers, they were still very Jewish in their practice. And we know from the book of Acts that it also happened in homes. So there were large group gatherings, there were small group gatherings, people were getting together in all kinds of different spaces. So fellowship doesn't necessarily mean me and us, you know, me and two others or three, it can be me and thousands, Uh, it can mean very different things. But there's some core principles that define fellowship. So if you've been at Hatfield a while, you know that we like to talk about discipleship. And if you guys wouldn't mind putting up the the triangle. If you've been at Hatfield, you should know we're about triangles, um, if you've been paying attention at least. When we talk about the life of a disciple, a disciple is someone who's intentionally following Jesus, who's devoted themselves to following Jesus, you can define it in a number of fancy ways, but this works quite well. We say that a life of a disciple must have an up you must have an in, let me just see how it's reflected. You must have an up, you must have an in, and you must have an out. These three elements help you develop into a whole life disciple. In other words, that you're following Jesus and it's affecting every aspect of your life. Your up, just shortly, is your relationship with God. It's your communion with God. I think you can read that a little bit on the screen there. It's your communion with God. Your in is your community, it's your relationship with your fellow believers. And then your out is with the world. It's the, the go and make disciples part. Now you'll notice in the way that this one's drawn is that my up and my in are connected. through communion. My in and my out are connected through community. And then my out and my up are connected through commission. Jesus told us to go. So this is not kind of you get your up sorted, then you get your in sorted, then you can go out. Okay, this kind of happens at once. All kind of at the same time. Now, there might be times and stages in your life where maybe you're a little bit more... Up focused, or you're learning a little bit about fellowship, or actually you're just about going and helping and doing social justice causes, and you're on outreach and you're preaching the gospel and and doing all things like that, um, showing the kindness of God in different spaces. There might be times when there's a greater emphasis, but you must have all three working together. If you're just out all the time and you're not building your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with a family of believers, you're going to end up all alone and in trouble, okay? Been in church leadership a while, you end up alone and in trouble. If you get just wrapped up in social justice, you never start leading people to Christ, you never start giving them an up, they never become followers of Christ, they never become believers. So you need all three, both individually, and I'm going to talk a little bit later, I think we need it corporately as well, different focuses in these spaces. So what are we talking about when we talk about fellowship or community? These two important New Testament words that we want to understand. Because they're New Testament words, they're in Greek. And so, you know, I've heard ancient Greek speaking my whole life. I know exactly how to pronounce these things. Uh, No, I don't. Okay. But I'll give it my best shot. The word that's translated fellowship in the New Testament is the Greek word konoinia. Konoinia. And it literally means being together. Uh, Probably very fair to translate it as community. It's the word fellowship, konoinia, Uh, Community. And then the other word is the word that we use for church, which is ecclesia. Am I saying it right, Seth, since you're studying Greek? Thank you. No, I just thought I studied Greek very long ago. Seth's busy with Greek currently. So, you see, ecclesia, which is the word church, which has this idea of a group of people, the community, that's called out for a purpose. So, you'll see I actually put on the slide there, when you're called out for a purpose, you're actually called together. Together you go to fulfill the purpose. You've come out of something and together. Now, it's this idea that makes Christian community. This is what makes Christian community different. There's a, a community, a fellowship, and we'll talk about what that fellowship looks like now, now. But there's also a purpose. There's mission. You have to have fellowship and mission. Otherwise, it's just a gym or a tea party. Okay, you have to have both going together. Fellowship, connections, relationships. Small group relationships, larger group relationships, and purpose. There needs to be a together towards something that you're working with that makes up Christian community. So I want to just talk about three things that are relatively unique to Christian community. You might find maybe one aspect of this in some other community groups or clubs that you're part of, but what makes, what is unique about Christian community? The first thing about Christian fellowship or community is that it's rooted in the nature of God. It's, why we do this is because of who God is and what he is like. What do I mean by that? The best we understand scripture, when we think of God, we use the word Trinity, okay? Which comes from tri-unity, three as one. And as we understand or reading the scriptures, is we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those three distinct persons... As we read the scriptures, but they're one God. Now, how that works is a bit of a mystery. Uh, scripture just tells us it is that way, it doesn't explain how it works. And I think that's good, because we're not supposed to understand everything about God. A little bit of mystery is good for us. Okay? Uh, if we're living in a postmodern world, this is okay. We can have some things we don't understand. It's fine. Okay? If you're in a modern world... You try and define this, and you, you can't, because we can't fully understand the nature of God. But what we do understand is that there's these three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are so close together, so close in kanoinia, so close in fellowship, so close in relationship, that they're one. And that oneness within the Trinity, within who God is, there's relationship, a preferring of one another, which is the Greek one of the Greek words, for love agape. They prefer one another above themselves. They consider the others. And obviously then being all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present in all spaces and places of all times, that makes them God. But because there's relationship in God, our communities must also reflect relationship. Now we'll probably never get so close that, you know, I know what Letitia's thinking. I always know what my wife's thinking, so I'll use... But you know, I know what Letitia's thinking all the time. We never get there, probably... Because we're human, we're finite, we're not God. But our community is rooted in the nature of God. Because God is relationship, relationship is very important for us. Okay, it's part of actually this, how we reflect the image of God. In Genesis, when it says mankind, uh, humanity is made in the image of God, part of that is reflecting relationship and being in relationship. Whether you're extrovert or introvert, by the way, Relationship is important. I'm an introvert, so I know what I'm talking about. Okay, relationship is important. So community, our community is rooted in the nature of God. The second thing that is unique about Christian community, super unique, is that we're a community of and by the Holy Spirit. We're a community of and by the Holy Spirit. As I come to believe in Christ, His Spirit comes and lives in me, makes me a new creation, brings my spirit alive, and I can step into relationship with God through The death and resurrection through putting my faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in me individually. And then, as the Holy Spirit lives in in me individually, and I meet other people who the Holy Spirit lives in, we're drawn together because we have the same Spirit that comes from God. And it's also the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live the Christian life. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Because the Christian life isn't hard, it's impossible on your own and in your own strength. Just live a while. Some of you look like you don't believe me. It's impossible to, to live consistently towards Christ unless God is helping you do it and empowering you to do it. So I'm empowered by the Spirit. Tears empowered by the Spirit. And we live together. And then we meet people who are also empowered by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit binds us together. It's a little bit like that scripture that Letitia read at the beginning of the service, John 17. I, always, I love John. It's such an interesting gospel. But, but sometimes I think, man, this guy was like ahead of the time. I in you and you in me and us in. And I go, huh? Because okay, I'm much more task person than a relational person. But God does something by his spirit where we might have completely different personalities. We might not even actually like each other that much. But because you've got the spirit of God in you, We're part of the family. We're part of Ephesians 2, the household of God. People from every tribe, nation, and tongue come together. Every People from different genders, personality types, ideological persuasions. And we come together. And because we're in Christ. And because it's all about him and not all about me. You see, you sing these words. You must pay attention. Okay, when you sing. It's all about you. Really? Okay. Um, But it's all about him. And then we come to Christ, and even if we're different, because we're a community animated and empowered by the Holy Spirit, everything else is secondary. So I can meet someone who has a completely opposite view of life to what I have. And if they're a believer, they're closer to me than people who are, who think the same as me, believe the same as me, because we have the Spirit of God. That's unique about Christian community. You don't find this in bowling clubs or gyms, or CrossFit places. Animated and empowered or wherever else you go. Okay, Animated and empowered by the Spirit. That's unique for Christian community. You won't find it anywhere else. Third thing is that Christian community always leads to mission. So the only way I can describe this is, uh, yeah, I did put it in the notes, is a Christian community is an outward-facing community. You know, often when we talk about fellowship, dear, can I use you a little bit? Because I'm a Um Often we talk about fellowship, and we become all inward focused. Hello. <laughs> um, no, but we become inward focused, and this is the danger. By the way, in in maybe some of the small small group spaces, we become we're on Instagram. Um, <laughs> we become so inward focused that we forget about everybody else. You know, if I start staring into tears' eyes now, I'm going to forget about you. <laughs> Relatively quickly. Okay. <laughs> Because we're inward-focused. Christian community isn't inward-focused. Christian community is outward-focused, okay? Primarily. There's a time when we're in because we want to encourage, exhort, and comfort one another. But thank you. Uh, Part of Christian community is we're outward-focused. So we reflect the image of God, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we're an outward-focused community. That makes us different. makes us weird. makes us dangerous. Okay, let's look at a couple of elements of fellowship or community that I just want to highlight. Let's read 1 John 1, verse 3 and verse 7 again, because we must understand what we mean when we say fellowship. What do we mean when we say community, okay? Um, And I just want to show you that what I'm saying is actually in the Bible. Is that all right? So 1 John 1, 3 actually makes the point I'm going to make quite clear shortly. It says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. So basically, John's just writing, saying it's eyewitness accounts. And then he says some very interesting things. He says, so that you may have fellowship with us. So that's the people he's writing to can have fellowship with him. So there's this horizontal level of fellowship. People have relationship, fellowship with one another. And then he says something else. He says, and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So fellowship goes like this towards us. And then it goes towards God. Verse, Actually, I could have included verse 6, which says, when we have fellowship with him, we don't sin. That upward fellowship. Verse 7 is in the presentation. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So if you guys can put up the next slide. We must always remember this when we talk about Christian fellowship or Christian community. There's a vertical element. There's this up, to use the word we used earlier, where it's with God. We can't have Christian fellowship with each other if we don't have fellowship with God first. Okay. But I can't just have fellowship with God if there's not a us. This is not an either or. This is a both and. That's why I battle when people say, I don't like religion. I follow Jesus. I don't go to church. Now, I know church is not perfect. Okay. I get that. But you, you must, it's not biblical. There, let me just say it in the nicest way I can. It's not biblical. Biblical is fellowship with God, fellowship with one another. Both and. Now sometimes you might lean a bit this way or that way, but you need both to have biblical fellowship. If you want Christian community, fellowship with God, fellowship with people. Fallen sinful people, just like you. Imperfect people, just like you. But they've got the Spirit of God in them. And we'll see some elements that are important. So always you have to remember... That community starts with God. It's because we're reflecting the image of God. Because I'm in fellowship with Jesus, I can step into fellowship with Darlene or Debbie or Letitia or even Tia. I can step into fellowship there because I have fellowship with God. It starts there. That's why you can't have Christian church if people don't believe in Jesus. It's not church. It's something else. I don't know what to call it. Okay, It's getting together on a Sunday. Okay, so it's always both and always vertical. And it's always attention. Now, I've, I've been in church for a while in my life, okay? Long, like 35 years plus since I've been born again. I'm older than 35, by the way. But in church leadership for long as well. If I may give you perspective from a couple of decades, is that okay? Whenever people get fancy with one of these, they end up falling away from the faith soon as they start going, no, no, we don't need this, it's about just this, they always end up in trouble. Maybe not in year one or in month one, sometimes depends, sometimes longer, sometimes three years, four years, five years. But if it's just this and you never do the fellowship of the believers, they just get weird. And sometimes they even just stop believing in Jesus. And then when people get so concerned about, well, it's all just community and it's all just about our social construct and doing good deeds together and they never get, how do we encounter God together? How do we find God together? Then it just becomes a club and it's not a church anymore. Okay, so it's always both. Will you keep that in mind? So I want to say the following. Proper, proper, you see, proper Christian community is first about God, then others then us. And I think that's the biblical order. Because it says we have fellowship with one another. We don't have fellowship with ourselves. First God, then others, then us. Imagine being part of a Christian community where everyone's more concerned about you than you are about yourself. Imagine being part of, you come to church on a Sunday night and you might be feeling down and difficulty, you know, well, I don't have to worry about myself because everyone else is going to be worrying about me. All I have to do is worry about them. That's idealistic, I understand that, but that's the way I think it's built. It's the way it's intended to go. Hopefully it'll become a little bit clearer. So, I want to make a, quite a big statement. Next slide. Christian community is not about self-actualization. Okay. Self-actualization means becoming the best you you can be. Christian community actually says you need to die <laughs> so that you can live. Okay. You need to lay down your life, your needs, your preferences so that you can engage in community. Uh, N.T. Wrights is a good Christian thinker. Uh, You don't have to agree with everything he says, but he said this quite nicely, so I thought to quote it. He said, in a society defined by ideals such as self-actualization, self-actualization is becoming the best you can be, everything is about you, okay? And I'll give some examples while he gives some shortly. In a society that is defined that such ideals are self-actualization, and a sense of self-sufficiency, our members, he's talking to Christian leaders, people in churches, our members, tend to have a radically individualistic, atomistic, meaning small, view of Christianity. Things like this. I get saved. I pick a church that meets my felt needs. I find a place where I can grow. After all, my needs are the most important thing. Okay? Now, that's quite... But there's a truth to this, and let me tell you why. I think this is a very countercultural statement. Almost as soon as you walk out these doors tonight, or any church space, the consistent message that you will get in society is it's all about you. Customer service. Who likes getting good customer service? It's all about you. Go to a restaurant and be more interested in the waiter than you expect him to be interested in you. It's a shocking experience. Okay. If your waiter comes to your table, well, how are you today? I mean, as sociable as I am, normally Tia does that part. Okay. But customer service tells us it's all about you. It's all about being your true self. It's about how you want to identify. It's about who you want to be, how you want to be, who you want to be. You can even make choices that have got nothing to do uh, with your biology. Because you want to. Because it's all about you. That is one of the consistent messages. And it didn't start yesterday. This has been coming for decades. But it's just getting stronger and stronger. Everywhere you go, order online, customize the package. Okay? Everything we do in this world tells us that it's all about us. And Christian community says it's not all about you at all. Now, you'll get taken care of. Let me just say that now so that you don't start freaking out, okay? Because we live in this world where you'll get taken care of, don't worry, but it doesn't start with you. It starts with him. It starts with others, then it's you, okay? So, why church gatherings? By gatherings we mean when we get together, whether it's small groups like um, community groups, life groups, a couple of Christian friends that get together for coffee once a week, Uh, big large gatherings like you know even 250 imagine that in a room together Um, okay whatever size why do we do church okay so I think we've all understood and you know sometimes it's become very popular we say you know church is not about the building they never had buildings in the first century it's about the people it is. It's about the believers. That's true. Although, by the way, they did have buildings in the first century, but let's not get too technical about that. meant we like savages who lived in felt. Okay, sorry. That, no, I don't mean that. Okay. But we do understand that church is more, um, is more than gathering. Okay? It is about the people. It is about the spirit of God and stuff that. But I also want to say it's also not less than that. You can't say we never get together because Jesus said we must. We'll read some scriptures now. okay? Jesus said we must. Jesus expected us to get together. So church is about gathering. It's more than gathering. It's about the people. It's about the spirit. It's about the mission. But you can't say it's never gathering. And it's very nice to have buildings where you can gather. Because like tonight with the rain, it would have been horrible. Okay. So it's not about the building. I understand that. But it is about the gathering. It is about the getting together. And if the building helps, that's nice. Okay, so... Why church gatherings? I want to talk about up, in, and out. Okay, so up. When we gather, there must be an up component, which tonight I want to call encounter. We need to encounter God when we gather. Now, often that happens for us in the worship space. Um, Our worship team here at Hatfield, worship family here at Hatfield. Got to get these names right. They've got very specific language. They, They believe that worship is part of every part of life. So they'll talk about music ministry. Well, it's probably music and vocal ministry, but you know, I don't want to get too technical for you guys. Okay, but Sorry, Mike. Okay, I saw that. Um, but we talk about music ministry because worship music is part of worship. Worship is not equal to music. Okay? Sometimes worship is silence. Sometimes when I worship, I feel like the words get in the way, so I don't sing, or so I don't sound that great, so it's very easy for me. Okay? But sometimes worship is silence. Sometimes worship is solitude. Worship is about when I firstly ascribe to God who he is. I say, God, I think you're the best ever. All powerful, all wonderful, and I like you. That's worship. But I did it without music. Did you notice? It's also worship. But what happens when we gather and we have music that helps us, or sometimes we gather and we just have silence. There's actually uh, Christians that practice their faith that way. The point is that I encounter God. That there's an encounter. Why do I need to encounter with God? Now, sometimes that encounter is mystical, meaning that I feel it. It's subjective. It's between me and God. I sense charismatics have got such interesting language. I feel the presence of God. That's encounter. Now, sometimes you don't have to feel anything, but God was there and there was an encounter. Why do we need encounter? Encounter helps us that when I go out into the world and I have to reflect who God is. I have to show people who God is. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 As with unveiled faces, we start reflecting God. I kind of need to remember what he's like. You know, as I step out the door and everything's telling me it's all about you, it's all about you, it's all about you, and I want to go, no, it's about him. Let me tell you how wonderful he is. I need to know. That's why we say you must have a personal relationship with Jesus. It just means you need to get to know him on some personal way. However, that could work for you. Okay, so encounter is an important part of gathering Quick story. Um, I remember a number of years ago. Sorry, I just want to stop my timer. Um, there, there was quite a moving of the spirit, and I had this encounter with God. Now that I've created the language, let me use it. And it was like it was like an open vision, like Peter had on the rooftop in Acts. biblical, just saying. Okay, but I had an open vision. It was like I was standing in the middle of a pillar of fire. And when I looked, well, I was actually lying down. I couldn't stand. It was a little hot, okay, because the presence of God was so strong. And as I looked up the pillar of fire, it was like I saw an open heaven. I didn't go into heaven because then I'd be poor, you know, but I'm not. So it was like I saw open heaven. And it was like I had this direct encounter with God. It's kind of like I saw God. It's like I, you know, sometimes we pray, God, give me your hearts. Like I, it was like I was experiencing... And I discovered this very interesting thing that when I encountered God, His heart was for the people in the room, and this intercession came on me. And I started praying at that stage for nations. He said, "I want you to pray for this country," and I prayed. But it was like, as probably the most direct spiritual encounter I've had in my life, when I encountered God, I discovered, <laughs> you know, God, let me—I reached the heart of God, and then I realized He was looking at the people in the room. Now. Sometimes you reach the heart of God and it's just about you and him and you're lost in that. But sometimes you realize, actually, I'm loving God and he's just interested in other people in the room. So, up, encounter. And it's important. Sometimes, did you notice I didn't even talk about the style of worship. Now, the style of worship can help you. You know, if it's maybe a little jazzy, you can get into the presence of God quickly. Maybe you need a, a, what do you call it, a rock groove. Is it a groove? The right word, eh? a rock groove, maybe you need, you know, it must be in this language, or maybe you like hymns. I grew up in a traditional church. Hymns, they've got some. So it's interesting, when our daughter was born, and, was, and she would, like, not sleep, and I was standing there, like, at three o'clock in the morning, rocking her to sleep, you know what I found myself singing? Methodist hymns. <laughs> Kept me sane. Like, okay, God's yeah, there's hymns. Okay, but... It's not about the style, it's about the encounter. Okay, so there must be an up element. There needs to be an in element. In is about edifying courage. In is about edifying courage. I don't have time to walk you through 1 Corinthians 14 tonight, but very clearly in 1 Corinthians 14, it says the purpose when Christians get together is that people may be edified. Everything must be done so that the people there can be encouraged and edified. So when Letitia stands up earlier tonight and she prays and she says, Maybe it's this, and maybe God's saying that, or maybe you're in this place, and you must lay it down, and maybe something's holding you back. Or sorry, I can't remember the exact words. Um, that's encouraging. It's helping me. It's telling me, yes, God, God kind of knows what's going on in my life. But in is also about noticing one another, and you see someone's. Maybe just you see someone; they look completely fine. You walk up to them and you say, "Hey, I just want you to know God loves you." And they go, oh, "Thanks so much. I'm encouraged." Okay, that's oversimplistic, but you understand? It's like they gave me a star and I came through the door. I'm a winner when I started, man. Okay, I'm encouraged. Okay, edify means to build one another up. So when I come to a gathering, I want to encounter God, but I also want to be mindful that I want to build the people up around me. It's not just about my encounter. Do we want you to meet God when you come here to Hathaway? For sure, we do. That's why we've got great worship. Okay, we do. But it's not just, that's not the purpose. That's, an, that's a means to an end. You encounter God, and then you find out God's interested in the people around you. Imagine that. Okay. And then how do you build them up? You know, Nice shoes. I, make, I didn't look at anybody in specific. Nice shoes. Um, although everyone in the front, you've got nice shoes. Okay. Um, not, you encourage, so it can be just really practical. But sometimes it becomes a bit supernatural where we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We charismatic church, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. If you want to you can add that in where God through his spirit remember we're a community of the spirit he just gives you you keep seeing someone you say I just have this thought for that person every time I think about them there's this thought or maybe before you come to church imagine being doing this you're praying you're saying God when someone when I arrive at church tonight and someone's there just give someone that I can encourage and maybe God gives you a word and says there's going to be someone and you need to go and tell them you know their mother dresses them funny but I love them anyway, or something. But there can be a spiritual thing. Maybe God tells you to pray for someone and they get healed. Okay, there's this supernatural element of encouraging, edifying, and encourage as well. Maybe it's just to come alongside someone and say, tell me what's going to be difficult in the week ahead. No spiritual unction, just you love them. What's going to be difficult in the week ahead? What can I pray for you now? That's encouraging and edifying. So up encounter, in encouraging, edify. Quickly, two scriptures. I'm bringing this in for a landing. Rapid descent. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24 and 25, Hebrews chapter 10, author of the Hebrews writes and he says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. See, it's in the Bible. Okay? Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. It's interesting, first century, this is within 40 years of Jesus, and already one of the Christian leaders is writing and saying, don't stop gathering Why? Because you'll end up weird. You'll end up falling away from the faith. Okay. Because you can't live the Christian faith alone. It's not built that way. You don't try church, you be church. Sorry. Okay. Um, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Uh, Online counts, don't worry. For now. Online counts. Okay. But encouraging one another. There the word is. Encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, all the more as you see the end coming, whenever the end is. Okay, but it's closer now than it was when they wrote this, so all the more. Is that okay? Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 13 and 14, just to further buttress this point. But encourage one another daily. Now, that you know, that's if, that means you must phone a Christian every single day. No, okay. I don't think that's the intention. It's the heart. We're, we're part of a believing community. We encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And when you're out in the world, when you're away from the Christian community, when you're the church scattered, is language we use, sin will deceive you. That's why you need to come here and you need to hear that certain things are right and certain things are wrong. Just so you don't get confused. Because the, the message of the world, if I can use that language, is pervasive. It's consistent. It's persistent. Or keep telling you, no, this is fine. You can live together before you get married. Just get to know each other better that way. No, you don't. You come to church and tell you, no, you don't. It doesn't work that way. Okay. okay but that's a different message. And I'm Okay. So, by the way, you know Christian community becomes really important? When you start experiencing opposition. When you're at work or campus or when you're in a family situation and you're the only believer in your family... And they're all looking at you really funny. And every day they're telling you how weird you are and, you know, don't become a Jesus freak. And uh, don't take this religious stuff too seriously and, you know, or, you know, don't talk about Jesus here or whatever. And then you come here and people go, no, but it's completely fine. It's the right thing to do. Tell us all about Jesus. Tell us about what Jesus has done in your life this week. Okay. Christian community becomes increasingly necessary when you're experiencing opposition and persecution where you can come together with like-minded people, people of the spirit, and they can encourage you to stand strong and to stand firm. In the first century world, the Roman Empire, the people that this was being written to, everywhere they walked, they would hear, Caesar is king, Caesar is like God, Caesar decides everything. The Roman emperor is in charge. And they would get together, as one of the church fathers writes, early in the morning before the sun comes up, and they sing a hymn to Christ as God. See, they even sang in the first century. Sing a hymn to Christ as God, and they just pray for each other and they remember, actually it's Jesus who's ultimately in charge, not Caesar. Caesar might take my life today, the Roman governor might throw me in prison, but ultimately Jesus is in charge. Okay. So, up, in, and then why church gatherings, out. We're called together, we're called out and we're called together, ecclesia, for a purpose. Missional friendships, just adding a whole new adverb or adjective or whatever it is to Friendships. Anybody good at language? What is it? Okay, missional friendships where common purposes can be forged. Okay, that's our out. We, um, I think you guys did it last year. You did joined, was it the march for against human trafficking? Debbie, yeah? Yeah, good. More, suddenly we, we're all together here yeah, but we're, we become friends and we say we want to do something that counts. We're going to stand together against something like human trafficking or we're going to help the poor in our city or we're going to go out into the malls and we're going to start... Trusting God to show us who to pray for and to just show them the love of Christ. Missional friendships. You know, when you're walking in the mall and you're all alone and you want to walk up to someone and say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? It's seriously intimidating, especially for introverts. Okay. But when it's me and my three friends together and we're going together, it becomes a little bit easier. Because you don't feel so strange and out of order. So out, of last scripture, Philippians 1, 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. When you're the church scattered, when you're not gathered, you conduct yourself worthy of the gospel of Christ. Because that's your testimony. What does it mean to conduct yourself worthy of the gospel of Christ? You live like Jesus wants you to live. You live in the way that Jesus wants you to live. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, people of the spirit. You stand firm in one spirit, striving together missional friendships as for the one faith of the gospel so fellowship up and horizontal vertical and horizontal there's an up in and a, out of why we do church together now church is not perfect we understand that because we're all becoming like Jesus we're not Jesus yet we still have sin in us we still have fallen natures and sometimes we like horrible we ignore you when you come sorry or sometimes someone in church says something that's unforgivable or difficult to hear or that you don't understand or they didn't meet your expectations. You thought it was going to be like this and it's not. But imagine being part of a community where it's first about God, then about others, then about you. So when I come tonight, I know I don't have to worry about myself because everyone else is worrying about me. We won't get there perfectly, but that's the, the direction. We go that way. We get better at doing that. Okay. And so, last thing I want to say is that it's a community of love. That's probably a fourth distinctive of Christian communities. Agape love, not Hollywood love. It's different. Agape love is a love where I'm more focused on the other than on myself. I've got the best interests of the other at heart. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, it is kind. You'll notice none of that is directed at yourself. It's directed at others. It does not keep a record of wrongs. directed at others. It's always patient, always hopes believes in the best in others always perseveres the community that is focused on the other and so when I come to Christian community and I've had a hard week maybe it means I need to put up my hand in small group and say I've had a hard week can you pray for me but actually when I walk in everyone's going so how was your week because they're more concerned about you you're battling with sin you're battling with sin devote yourself to community get so busy with church that you don't have time to sin so busy with God and fellowship with God that Sin becomes less of a problem. Because sometimes what happens to us in Christian community, I don't know why I'm going here, maybe it's important, is that I think I disqualify myself because I'm battling with something sinful. I'm battling and so I disqualify myself. Now that's when you step in and you say, you know what, I'm just like you. I'm battling, man. This guy at work, I hate him. And I know I'm not allowed to hate. But I do. He's like miserable. I'm sorry, I don't love him like Jesus loves me. Well, how dare you? No, then we, yeah, I know. I might have experienced that once or twice in my life. Uh, let's pray. Let's start praying for him. Let's trust God for a supernatural something, gift of the Spirit to come, that opportunity to pray for him or her, or something like that. That's what Christian commun- authenticity comes into the space. And maybe when you do battle with sin, you go I get so busy with God, the sin becomes less of my focus. But then also people can come to you and say, "Well, yes, help and yes, help and yes, pray and." There's this and there's that, and this is what the Bible says. So Christian community, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves. You, The invitation tonight is to devote yourself to Christian community, to fellowship in Christ. Devote yourself to the fellowship of the believers. Can I pray for us? That's the invitation and the challenge for tonight. Jesus, thank you that church is your idea christian community fellowship is your idea it's not our idea it's not a way we build buildings and pay salaries and things like that church is your idea and thank you jesus that you love the church enough to die for her you lay down your life for the church i pray that you help us to love you more, and as we love you more, we start loving one another more. That when we discover and find your heart, when we encounter you, we realize your love for one another. And so tonight I pray, Lord, that as we're going back to the basics as a, as a young adult community, I pray that we devote ourselves to you and to one another. So that when we are out in the world and where things are different and we're getting bombarded with messages that are contrary and difficult, even though they seem so wonderful and, and so um, self-enriching and self-aggrandizing, making us feel so important. Help us to remember that it's all about you. It's first about you and it's not about us. Help us to remain in you, to abide, is the word that John uses, to abide in you so that we may be in you and that you may be in us. And then us together, we may be, community of faith a christian community that encounters you that encourages and edifies each other well and that pursues the mission and the purposes of god for us as a christian community at this time in this city in this place this is my prayer for each one in jesus name amen and amen